Hello and welcome to EQ Above IQ, Parenting with Emotional Intelligence and Healing the Inner Child. My name is Trina Casey and I'm your host. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Gwyneth Jones. She uh, is a deep adaptation coach, as she calls herself, and she works on reconnecting us um, with nature um, to heal ourselves and um, to really focus on the really big picture, which is kind of climate change. We, if we don't really take care of our planet, we won't have a place to heal often. So I love what the work that she's doing, and um, I look forward for you guys to meet her too. Hey, Gwyneth. Yeah. Hi. Thank you so much for inviting me. So, yeah, so I'm Gwyneth and I am from Wales, although I live in Prague in the Czech Republic at the moment. And yeah, my main topic is about reconnecting people to themselves, to each other and to nature. So I do that through coaching. And actually, yeah, I did my coaching training with Six Seconds. So it's focused on emotional intelligence. But I also am trained in the work that reconnects, which is a beautiful piece of work. I can tell you more about it later, but basically about helping people move through uh, their emotions about what's happening in the world and come to more of a place of interconnection mm. and action, you know, mm. and, and I also studied psychology. So positive psychology specifically was my mm. focus. So I approach this with what I hope is a nice balance between the academic, you know, seeking science and truth and the spiritual as well, which I'm delving more and more into these days, um, especially, yeah, with the nature connection. We can call it maybe eco-spirituality or eco-psychology. Hey, we're all one, you know, yeah. one love, <laughs> one heart. And I, and I really, I actually, so interesting, just in this last podcast that came out today, I talked about our connection to the earth and um, the importance of us to kind of like wake up to the fact that she is a living being and we are living beings within an ecosystem, within an ecosystem, within an ecosystem. And if we are constantly raping her, and I use that language because that's mm. what's happening, we won't have a place to live. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think I think that is clear and obvious, I hope. Although apparently it isn't clear and obvious to a lot of people, right? I mean, we, we live in such isolated cubicles, um, you know, some people go their entire lives without really looking away from a screen or going outside and so people forget that we need air to breathe and that the food we eat is grown from the soil and needs light and water it's just yeah that that's what really drives me forward you know is seeing that disconnect and just thinking how how are we so <laughs> cut off from reality you know that we that we don't understand that we're part of a living, breathing ecosystem, that we're not separate and we can't be separate. And, you know, and technology is not going to enable us to escape or transcend from that either, because, you know, technology, what well, it comes from the earth. We're mining rare earth minerals. We need power to power electricity, you know, to have this technology. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's my real motivation, I'd say, is 
yeah, waking people up, which sounds kind of pretentious. I think a lot of people think their way is, you know, the, the way. And yeah. Six Silicon likes to say no way is the way. But yeah, just making people think a bit more about, yeah, what we're doing to the planet and to our to ourselves, right? We're doing that to ourselves. That, that interconnectedness is, is vital. And I think we lost that connection as we started moving forward with different ideologies because, you know, I'm a pagan at heart. So we talked about that before. I'm a pagan at heart. I believe in the spiritual world. I believe in manifestation, um, magic, as you would call it. But it, I just think that's just another word for interconnectedness because um, I think our Aboriginal um, peoples understood the, mm -hmm. the connection and the importance of taking care of the planet. And then somehow uh, colonialism in, in the industrial revolution just made us go back, go to, go to sleep to that mm -hmm. fact because yeah. prof, profit became king. And like, what do you think about that? Because like, I've been really having like this awakening around the word narcissism. And one of the things that I'm noticing is that we really live in a narcissistic world. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have many thoughts on this topic. <laughs> um, no, the IPCC's uh, latest report basically just came out and said, yeah, climate change is happening because of colonialism. Mm -hmm. And you know, there are, I can think of a lot of good authors to recommend here because there's Sally Weintraub who wrote The Psychological Roots of the Climate Crisis. And she's talking about that narcissism, like that kind of, you know, how every toddler has that very selfish, you know, expectation that the world will just meet their needs and that they don't yet see that other people have feelings too. And, you know, a lot of societies nourish and nurture that, inner toddler and she calls that our kind of inner exception you know mm -hmm. that some people usually the people who end up in charge of things <laughs> they've had that part of them fed while the other parts have maybe shriveled off you know and yeah so there's that kind of entitlement narcissism we could say um that belief that i am you know deserving that i deserve more than others and whether we realize that we're thinking that way or not that's what's happening every time we kind of turn a blind eye right to what's happening right in another part of the world because oh well that's not me that's not where I am and of course it's layered in with like, racism with all kinds of things we've been programmed to believe that we are you know that like I plus my tribe whatever that might be right, right. deserve more deserve yeah. life don't yeah. yeah, that's yeah. a huge part of it. You know, I think like you, you hit the nail on the head in that that colonialism, that that feudal European mind state of I am the ordained um, uh, ruler of the world, you know, mm -hmm. and that to me is exactly where it comes from because I've done other episodes and I actually did an episode on um, the uh, globalization of trauma where i talk about this and um it's it's so like i mean you really have to be like purposely in cognitive dissonance not to like 
have figured this out yet. You know, like you are, you know, comfortable and, and, and I'm speaking, of course, of, um, of Caucasian white people. You have to be <laughs> really just like pushing that, pushing that thumb down on, on wanting to stay in charge if you can't see how harmful harmful all of this um, colonialism has been on the planet. I always say colonialism ruined the world because we don't know how other um, cultures would have evolved. You know, like we, we, we lived in an egalitarian system around the world more before colonialism started. Yeah, well, for sure. And, you know, there's a branch called ecofeminism that looks at how the way we treat the earth is very much the way the patriarchal system treats women, right? Mm -hmm. Like the activist model and, of course, how we treat other peoples. And that's, you know, traditionally through colonialism been very similar to the treatment of women, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's uh, raping, like you said, that extracting, that pushing. But I... You know, I think it goes even deeper because I see in the so-called Western world, people treat their own bodies like that, right? People treat their own bodies as resources to push and mine. And I read the other day that six out of 10 teachers are popping pills just to deal with the workload, you know, like. That's so sad. Take, right? If we have to take drugs just to manage existing in this system, then obviously something is wrong and we're you know how many people get sick right because they're just pushing themselves physically mentally emotionally like just the spiritual toll of turning away from looking at what we're doing mm -hmm. and pretending that we're okay living in this world where we never even interact with an animal <laughs> or you know an indigenous person or anything we're just in this like little bubble of technology and making money just the toll on our own bodies can give you a little taste of what we've been doing to the rest of the world. Exactly. Well, you know, there's a lot of um, people who are making a profit on talking about these things as well. That's what the interesting part of it is, is like, um, you know, um, I'm a fan of Mind Valley, definitely a fan of Six Seconds, but um, they always have these programs and these, these gurus on to tell you what we pretty much innately know mm -hmm. that we need to eat better. Yeah. Um, we need to um, exercise or at least get outside to walk. And I, and I won't, and I'm not going to go crazy about that exercise thing. Cause I think we have made health another avenue to narcissism, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I think you're getting into the narcissism of the guru thing, right? The spiritual, yeah. toxic spirituality, as yeah. I've heard it said. And unfortunately, yeah, when I started getting into coaching, I suddenly realized that the internet was full of these people. Right. And maybe some of them are well-meaning. And maybe, you know, I, I'm sure I've fallen into the same traps because... Of course, on the one hand, you're there as an entrepreneur, right? You need to make money, ideally. <laughs> and on the other, yeah, you you know, it's it's very hard to to find yourself maybe regurgitating stuff that is common sense. And so, yeah, for sure, there's um, 
there are positive things about eating healthy and exercising, but it's not something that people don't know, right? People know that's what they should do. It's more about, well, okay, why are we not engaging in healthy behaviors? And of course, it's systemic, it's based on trauma, it's based on, well, are our lives set up in a way that makes that possible or easy? Yes. So, yeah, yeah. I tell you what I do like, at least with six seconds, is, you know, this idea that wisdom lives within. So the idea is always about, getting the answers from you and not telling you what to do at least yeah (laughs) that's the idea at least and um yeah trusting yourself because you know what I found with coaching um as well and I do EQ based coaching as well and one of the things that I noted for me is that every client needs something different you know like Um, even on an emotional intelligence level, you, my delivery is going to be so different with one person versus the other. And I just really taken the stance of trusting my, and myself and be authentic as possible with what I have to offer them. And I found that's the best route to helping people because it's like you said, it's energy. And I think we all know when somebody is just spewing the same rhetoric, you know, same thing over and over again that, you know, you can go check on the internet. It's it's an energetic connection you have with your. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think probably if you're energetically sensitive, you can also tell when somebody out there has that energy vampire kind of energy, right? Because there's a lot of that in the world of gurus. <laughs> there's a lot of that in the world of coaching. Like you can feel from some people that their motivation is money or ego or power. It's not about helping other people. And I, you know, I think it's hard when people are looking for help because they're going to be inundated with, you know, that version yeah. Uh, you know, I, I get so many messages in my inbox from coaches who coach other coaches trying to sell me their business coaching programs. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not in this to make million dollars, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like a pyramid scheme. It is. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of this. Like, I like I'm it make it actually to me, it just like it lessens the purity of what is necessary and it keeps it keeps we keep doing that with everything that actually is beneficial and i wish that we could just kind of like stop and take inventory as a culture and say okay enough um services should be free but we have to work within the system as it is and so i have to charge something i would love to offer this as you know, free. And I actually do sometimes, you know, do on a sliding scale because I can't turn somebody away who really needs help, who really needs support. Um, yeah. Because I know what that feels like. I'm the same. I, I actually offer everything on a sliding scale, but I always say, you know, if you just really want to come, just email me and 
I rarely turn people away, <laughs> to be honest. Um, as long as, you know, I'm able to bring in enough money, just it's not even for myself usually. It's because I, I usually have a co-facilitator, you know, and I want to make sure they get paid, especially one of my main um, co-facilitators is in India, you know, and I would feel really colonial if I am like you have to work for free for oh. me right <laughs> so I yeah so I, I try and just bring in enough and after that there are going to be free spots and yeah it's the same I'd love to have this um this gift economy idea right yeah. and I mean I'll say like right now I'm lucky because I can I can get by with what I do on the side which is teaching yeah. So I teach English and I teach Welsh and, you know, I'm lucky that that can cover my expenses and then I can offer a little bit more generously when it comes to the coaching, right? Like I'd love to say, okay, I'm making every bit of my income from this meaningful work that I love, but at the same time, you know, it's not as if teaching is, horrible <laughs> it's still meaningful it's still, I, I it. cool. it's still yeah it's still we both nice. we both are it's so funny because me and Gwyneth are basically mirrors of each other except one is chocolate and one is vanilla it's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> and I and I love it and um you know that's why the whole concept around you know um you know color and all that stuff is such it's it's just another part of the system in order to make profit off of division, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, geez, and I, I would love to come to one of your uh, nature uh, retreats. That sounds so up my alley right now because yeah. I have been working in the house day after day after day and then you know we've gotten used to the COVID thing but I just you know one of one one of the positives of COVID is that the ecosystem about you know bounced back a bit the environment got to bounce back a bit um the air got a little cleaner um the animals came back and said okay there's not as much noise because they're not people (laughs) driving around but um I don't know. I'm I'm not ready to go back out into the office type of environment. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean I I started working from home and I love it really. I mean, of course I do miss being around people now and I'm starting to crave more and more in-person events, uh but yeah, that kind of office life, especially, you know, the really traditional route of commuting an hour each way and being mm-hmm. in a cubicle I, I think it showed a lot of people that they just didn't want that and I think you know that was one of the things from the pandemic right that was, that was positive was people took stock of their lives and a lot of people realized like I don't want this I know a lot of people who <laughs> broke up during the pandemic but yeah. also people who moved to another country or decided to go back home to their homelands right it it sort of made people reevaluate I guess it shook people up a little bit and I think for a beautiful moment we were paying attention but what I've seen now is we've slid back into the trance maybe even deeper than before and unfortunately the environmental destruction has just got worse because people were so you know 
frustrated that they didn't get to fly anywhere for a year and a half. So now flights, cheap flights have skyrocketed. And um, because yeah. that's an industry, because that's a huge industry that, yeah. yeah, I really, you know, what do you think it's going to take? You know, I have my own ideas, but what do you think it's really going to take for the society around the world, the global society, to shift their mind state? Because I really feel like we live in such a um, fixed mind state around mm -hmm. so much, and we just like lacking an awareness around it. What do you think it's going to take? Well, you know that. That is the question. <laughs> like that's the question that fills my life basically, because that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? Um, I started out wondering a few years ago, how do we get people to care about the environment more? And there's a whole field around this environmental psychology, but it still takes a very dualistic perspective, right? That it's humans and nature, and we need to just get people to recycle. <laughs> and I, the more I look at deep ecology and eco-psychology and indigenous thinking, you know, and look at how we're all connected and we're all part of this biosphere. Yeah, I delve into that world more and more. And so it really looks like, you know, you can't motivate people from fear. Like we've tried <laughs> environmental activists and scientists have been trying that for decades. And now it's like they're getting louder and louder, right? You can see People are sounding the bells and screaming at people and saying, why don't you care? And people just shut down and push it out and go into deeper and deeper denial, which is annoying. <laughs> but it's unfortunately, you know, if we want to come at it from an emotional intelligence perspective, we have to deal with what is happening, not what we'd like to happen. Yes. So, you know, so what I think is we need to get people excited about regeneration, like to get people thinking about oh actually it's really hopeful and inspiring to rebuild the soil to plant forests to you know experiment with new ways of doing things and I think for that too we really need to you know reawaken people's enchantment with the world and there's a lot of these um, writers philosophers eco-psychologists whatever you want to call them uh, David Kidner comes mind because he talks about like the re-enchantment of the world I think it's him so you know getting people to fall in love with the world again but then when I read some of these things I think it sounds so idealist forest right some people live near a jungle where it's full of snakes that will poison you or they live in like desert where they can't even go outside because it's so hot or the air is too polluted. So, you know, I think we really, people also need to really check their privilege when they say this stuff and think about what's a more realistic goal. Right. Because you can't just persuade everyone to go for a nice. So I think it's more about widening the definition of nature. Like nature is not just about some pristine national park up there right it's the nature within us we are of uh, microbes for example 
and biological work. And yeah, and I think what we're really talking about is becoming curious and excited again about that, about life, about who we are. And that is naturally going to lead to a more, you know, magical, soulful experience of being alive. Right, uh, right. Rather than, you know, rather than thinking about just survival or just how do I, I don't know, be better than others or make money. Because that kind of thinking disappears, I think, when you come back to that place of curiosity and enchantment and love. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's such a good answer because I, you know, I've been thinking about this this question of what and especially why. I think we really have to get underneath the why in order to figure out what we can do. Um, but I think that once people start to actually re start to reconnect with their own divinity and how closely it mirrors nature, I think that will be kind of the wake up call. That's what I feel like. It's like people need to get to a place of self-love and self-awareness um, and healing that, you know, that inner child chip healing that I always talk about because that wonder we used to have as children when we went out to nature and made mud patty cakes and stuff like that. It was so natural. It was so easy. It was so peaceful. Um, and I think that yeah. It's, it's such a simple thing. I mean, just even just taking a walk um, daily and, and, and meditating by just looking at the trees or whatever. It's just like, unfortunately, what's happened is that everything has been commoditized, you know, in, and so some people are rejecting these things because now it's become the next thing or the, this thing. Yeah. But I don't know. I just want to figure out a way how to how we as a global society can start um, stop undermining our efforts towards reconnection. That's what I feel like. Sometimes we, you know, what I mean, we undermine our our our, our um, process, you know, and I don't, it's it's all very. It, there's so many layers. We can't, we're not going to figure it out on this call. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Well, you know, the other, thing, the other thing we have to remember is there are powerful interests who don't want that to happen, right? Oh. Like, it's not just how do we do this? Um, exactly. It's how do we work against the people who don't want us to be aware. And like, that's not coming from some kind of conspiracy theory right that's pretty clear when you see I don't know people working for the oil industry lobbying and paying millions to to newspapers so they can influence the discourse around climate change but it's in all the types of separation right every time we're pitted against each other as an us versus them that's that agenda of separation maybe I can call it and yeah Time we're told to hate our bodies because they're not, you know, beautiful or thin or whatever enough. That's again, right? That. <laughs> oh boy, don't even get me started on that. It's really ridiculous that there's the there's the the ageism, there's the thisism, and I really honestly think you you mentioned it earlier. It it's rooted in the patriarchal colonialism um, structures, you know, like. Yeah. You know, I, I wrote this, you know, uh, 
colonialism equals fear, fear equals, um, no, colonialism equals the patriarchy, the patriarchy equals um, fear. And, and then this, and, and that equals capitalism. And then the cycle continues to fear because people, they create scarcity. And like you said, these people in power do not want us to, to start trading again. <laughs> they do not want us to start working out of the system. And I and made this note because you said something about the eco-psychology. The only thing that I can really imagine making an impact is if we, the people, started voting on legislation and enforcing legislation um, that allows us to put gardens with food in it in our front yards again. That's actually oh, against, yeah, well, that's like against the law. You can't even uh, uh, collect rainwater in some states, you know, just because they don't want self-sufficiency. They want dependency. This is in the United States, right? This is in the United States. Yeah, this is like one of the many, many things that really freaks me out about the US because, you know, the land of the free and you're not allowed to grow your own food. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm very lucky over here in Europe. I, I am growing my own food a little, a little, let's say I'm experimenting because it's hard, you know, it's, it's you know, you have to deal with a lot of different um other issues like funguses and blight and you know all these bugs that come and eat your food and I don't want to use chemicals and pesticides so right right exactly exactly yeah. but you know what because we are also we're also iron deficient now because we're not getting the same type of protein and um minerals like we used to because everything is too clean yeah and there's also the fact that um vegetables are not as nutritious as they used to be because we're depleting the soil so much i really recommend you know kiss the ground this documentary talks about this like how again we've raped the soil so much there are no nutrients in it almost anymore and again exactly. we can, you know we can regenerate the soil and i'm really i love connecting on linkedin with people who work in regenerative agriculture because the stories they post are really inspiring and it makes me see there are lots of people actually working to heal right the earth and mm -hmm. that you mentioned healing and i think yeah healing is one of the big big topics of this time right because yeah. it's also it's also kind of traumatic and i don't want to say this to you know minimize anyone's very traumatic experiences they might have had but it's a type of trauma to grow up in this world where we're constantly you know shut off from nature and told not to worry about all the suffering that we see on tv and you right. know all those things so we're taught to kind of disconnect from our heart or our soul or whatever we want to call it right right to, yeah to just be able to through school to be able to job become, and, yeah to become a cog in the wheel basically yeah, to function in capitalism <laughs> and i don't know about you but the people i know who are the most depressed and anxious they're the most sensitive right when you talk to right. them they're so affected by what they see happening they're usually very energetically sensitive people and right. yeah they're not functioning in capitalism because it's not designed for sensitive people who really no. feel and that's horrible yeah it's, it's designed to make you sort of like a zombie kind of like suck it up and yeah. don't pretend it away drink it away 
you know, one of the things I noticed is that every single show, and I, you know, I point this out to my son all the time when we watch certain things. Um, I, I point out the patterns and I say, look at, they're going to, um, they're going to say, I need a drink. Boom, on cue, I need a drink, you know, um, because it's a disconnect. Alcoholism is a, alcoholism is a huge problem. Drug addiction is a huge problem because people are escaping their realities because this reality is actually very sick. And, and, and that's, that's like, there's, there's a minority. We live in a reality that the majority cannot survive in and it's created by a minority. And I think that when people start that clicks on, and we start to see it for what it is, we can start shifting it, but it's not, it's slow. It's like, I'm afraid fear to rock the boat, to talk about these things because those people are either taken out or put in loony bins. (laughs) For sure, you know, and it's a scary kind of time right now because we see freedom of speech is a huge topic as often it is and even though i don't agree with a lot of the conspiracy theories out there you know the way that these people are sometimes treated is a little bit concerning right because right now it might be something i don't agree with that's not the point though right the point should be yeah are people allowed to explore ideas and challenge authority and question the mainstream yeah. view i think that's that's the thing and it's been oh, with the pandemic and vaccines it's been so hard to watch <laughs> i say watch as if i'm an outside observer but you know the whole thing with QAnon, for example oh my goodness what i see is people really really do want truth and they want community and they want belonging and they want to understand the chaos and the uncertainty right so what scares me is maybe you know people are drawn away from their search for truth by these kind of shiny lights that go oh over here i've got what you need yeah and when we have this fantasy that people are waking up and transcending and finally seeing reality i don't know if that's just <laughs> our echo chamber right because <laughs> a lot of people are being drawn into very different truths and realities yeah yeah um, and i heard some people say we're living in a post-truth society and i don't know there's a whole thing to untangle there around truth and um, yeah what is true what is yeah, true yeah. you know the thing is is that that's but that's a philosophical question that some people think but i say you know what if i'm point if i'm looking at something and i put my hand on it and i say that's a table but you say no that's a chair and i'm saying no it's a table no no it could be a chair if i sat on it you know i hear so much of that type of logic going on that it's scary and it's all a manipulation. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's the part that that is stopping us from getting to truth again. And I they do it on purpose <laughs> in order to confuse and create the create the yeah. We could talk about this forever. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's the thing, right? And and I think it's also a little bit um 
everyone's overwhelmed right now with so much information, so much going on in the world, so many things to read. And, you know, we're almost told that we need to have an opinion on everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, people are just kind of being broken by this uh, pressure yes and I don't know I don't know what the solution is to that honestly but I see the kind of work we do tries to push a lot of that away and sort of I don't know like narrow it down to someone's core truth exactly and it can be hard right to, it can be hard to connect with what that is if you have been I dare say like brainwashed if you have been overloaded with a certain yeah. viewpoint your own intuition might mysteriously be exactly the same thing those people yes. are saying yeah so I think that's where EQ again really is good because you know it helps you separate like okay I'm having this emotional reaction when I read about whatever this is mm-hmm. is that does that mean it's true or does that just mean I'm having an emotional reaction and you know being able to separate those things because I think yeah. a lot of QAnon works on getting people very emotionally aroused to well, yeah yeah what's true because they're just angry right well it just QAnon and those type of cult type of organizations really really for me, hone in on the fact that we are sick of a society and people are screaming and they want healing and they want truth and they want um, an escape from it. So, you know, they they tribe up with the most bizarre um, and, and, and out of this world ideologies because they're just suffering, you know, and they just they just want to feel like they don't know what to believe anymore because it's perpetually being told one thing and then that one thing changes. And right now, especially with education shifting into, uh, especially for uh, black studies, mm. um, whew, critical race theory is making these people lose their mind. And they don't oh, really yeah. even understand what critical race theory has been around since the 1970s. And, um, what it is is that history has been so effectively whitewashed all over the world. And um, the truth is painful, but it is through that pain that we heal. Yeah, right. And if they applied a bit of EQ, <laughs> maybe yeah, they just could a little see, bit. <laughs> like, hey, I'm getting triggered. Why is that? How interesting. Yeah. Rather than, yeah, oh, here's anger. I'll just ride that to wherever. <laughs> this is your fault. You're making me feel bad. I don't want my kids to feel bad. I was like, no. There's been like centuries of people who don't look like you who've been feeling really bad. And um, they haven't really done anything to you yet. So uh, I think that you might be a little paranoid. There's a very interesting (laughs) article about climate anxiety and white fragility as well, right? That idea of okay why are most people who turn up to these eco-anxiety workshops white global north people mm-hmm. is it because we're just so afraid that our you know privilege will be taken away or that we'll have to experience a little bit of discomfort heaven forbid mm-hmm. so yeah there's so many <laughs> avenues to take these conversations but i i believe that you know some 
suffering is going to be necessary that we do grow through pain but of course it's not just saying oh we should traumatize people to help them grow that pain and trauma has to be held by a community it has to be processed properly it has to be Mm -hmm. seen right and that's why I really recommend reading about grief work for example just talking about you know the way that a tribe will react to a traumatic event versus how our society just kind of goes oh you're on your own maybe mm-hmm. if you go to therapy one day you can do that and um and if we do have hope uh, you know it will be from things getting worse i fear but that being you know that yeah, things kind of happening right now. Yeah, yeah. Things are, things are getting worse, you know, and I think that people are scared of that. But I you know what I say, don't be afraid of it, embrace it. Because that's like you said, the sub through suffering. I you know, being a Buddhist for almost 20 years, I really recognize even though when I'm in that place of suffering, um there's a reason beyond me for it and if i didn't go through that particular thing i wouldn't have made choice a b c or d that put me in alignment with my my life and that's to me is a key word we have been so programmed to be slaves to a grind but the real um goal is to align with our purpose, with our energy, with people, with the environment. We need alignment. Definitely. And if I can try and summarize kind of where we've gone, because I see the time. Yeah, I see the time too. (laughs) You know, the system that most of us have grown up in teaches us that we are this separate self and that Therefore, suffering is this bad thing to avoid and make sure other people have and we don't. And, you know, I think we really need to reframe how we see it. And I think just the first thing to do is to, yeah, you know, accept that we do all crave community and belonging, but just be really careful where you find that belonging. And, you know, yeah, build your connection with nature in whatever way you can. And it doesn't mean you have to go and sit in a nice forest, but even if you are just connecting with yourself and your breath, right, you are nature. And that's what I try to get across to people. It doesn't have to be this privileged thing. But if we don't wake up and notice what we're doing to the planet now, this, you know, it will be even more of a privileged thing. I just have this nightmare that there'll be like one forest left in the world and you know you pay ten thousand dollars to go into it or something yes yes or everybody wants to be elon musk and then all of a sudden we can't go you know everybody's paying you have to have a million dollars to go pay to get off of the planet because it's uninhabitable you know i sweat these are the things that kind of go through my head too so what i wanted you to do is tell everybody where you they can find you because i know that you have to go and i have to go um (laughs) we could talk forever so tell people where they can find you and your courses and um yeah yeah um so my website is gwynethjones.coach and i'm on all the social media channels well instagram i'm gwynethjones.connectioncoach you can look for me on LinkedIn. Um, 
I'm on Facebook and Twitter, but I don't really use them so much. And yeah, you, you're welcome to put my email address in there too if people want to reach out. So it's just connect at GwynethJones.coach. All right. And chat to people as well. Yay. I really enjoy, I've spoken to Gwyneth before and she's such a lovely spirit and she's, and I love the, the angle and, and how she's using her love for the environment in our healing process. So thank you for joining me. Thank you. I, let's, let's chat soon. Yeah, definitely. All right. Okay. Bye. bye. What a great interview with Quinneth. I love what she's doing. And that aspect of reconnecting to nature is so vital right now as we deal with all the problems that we're having with our climate and our the, the changes, the warmth, the, the polar caps. Everything is affected by what we do. Our micro affects the macro. And so I want to remind everyone to reconnect with nature today. Go outside, take a walk. Look at the sky, look at the stars if you can see them, but really take inventory of what we have and what we have to lose if we do not get our stuff together and if we don't force that change on the decision makers of the world. And remember, you are one of those decision makers. Do not belittle your power. You have plenty of it. It's just that you've forgotten. So I want you to go back out to nature today and reconnect. Um, go check out the books at thisreallifebooks.com. And uh, Gentle Reminders Clothing is always there to help remind you to be a better EQ-based parent. When you see those shirts, when I lose it, I'm just your mirror. We need those reminders that what we do, those kids mimic. And that goes for the next 10 generations. So... Let's get into the here and the now and realize that we are the change that we need to see in the world. And I hope you have a blessed day.